0: a group of girls who came to me, uh, of grade eight, and they had uh, quite a bad complaint about their senior <coughs> teachers, you know, uh, touching them in the wrong places. And this was not tolerable. I had to do something. I was like their parent at, mm-hmm. at school. So I asked the teachers concerned, There were about three of them, um, would you please give me an answer? And then they were very angry. After they got the letter from me, Mm. they did not take it in the right uh, way. And instead of that, they went into a huge uh, non-cooperation movement and they stayed away from classes. It was the first day of school and they did not attend classes. Mm. They stood away from assembly Mm -hmm. and the children saw all of that. Parents were very upset and they didn't want... You know, as usual, they don't want others to know. They want to keep it all hushed up. There was media coverage on that. Mm-hmm. But I was very, that way, I was very righteous, you know. Uh, for me, to protect the child was my first duty. Mm-hmm. And nothing else mattered. And mm-hmm. the chairman also supported me. Mm-hmm. And the board mm-hmm. members also, they mm-hmm. came in and we formed a committee. It was very hard. The teachers were very cooperative. Right from the start, I I literally used to, worship the teachers, you know, because without them, the school would not run, Mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. a day would run without the teachers, right? So their input is so important. So we used to train them, we used to handpick them, and they used to be thoroughly ingrained in the philosophy of the school. Only a few would not uh, imbibe the philosophy. And uh, like, you know, the school had this policy that uh, the children are respected. And that was very difficult for some of the traditional minded teachers. Mm-hmm. Like, our, your child is a child to be kept shut, you know? Like, no, we believed in the child. We respected the child's rights, right? Mm-hmm. So they crossed the boundaries with that. Then I was uh, there to defend the children, protect the children.
1: Yes, I think uh, this was the most heartbreaking news that I came across that 34 years of running Shivatara it was actually closed and there were different reasons uh, around surrounding like maybe even rumors so if you would want to clarify on why and how. <laughs>
0: On today's episode, we have Rani Gurung Kakshapati. She founded Subatara School in 1989 in hopes of creating a place where students can be prepared for the real world. We have invited her over to our studio to discuss the legacy and journey of Subatara. Welcome to the SJK podcast.
1: Thank you so much for coming to the show. And
0: oh, I'm absolutely delighted. I'm so glad you reached out. I was thrilled when I got your message. Uh-huh. And uh, because you all are part of Shibu I just could not refuse. So glad to be here. Ms. Reminds me of old times in the, <laughs> in the TV. Yeah.
1: So Miss go old times boy, if you could start off a bit about how you started your journey in television.
0: Okay, so I was working in the TV, in the radio, and in the newspaper also in the Rising Nepal. I was a feature editor i used to do reporting also and when tv opened we were the first uh, to do and we used to do everything like you said we uh, we um reporting we used to be uh, producing with cameras on the on the streets and um uh, then um also the the radio shows so the radio was uh, like a feature program news reading mm-hmm. and also running a feature program, <coughs> like a tourist program. And those for fun years.
1: Miss Leah, uh, did you like intend to do radio from the start or was it like kind of, uh, you fell in love with the radio?
0: It was actually uh, just a chance. Actually, I didn't mean to mm-hmm. do that. I got the offer mm-hmm. and uh, they were looking for people uh, who could uh, read the news. And uh, we went for an audition and we got selected and uh, started it off It was really exciting, fun And um, the newspaper also was good, good experience uh, I got yes. uh,
1: So Miss, I would want to start off with like uh, the origins of Shrivatara Because I myself uh, was in Shrivatara for six years So that's a long time uh, for me as well as a kid and In then, Sanepa Yeah, yeah He yeah, started yeah, off yeah. in Sanepa uh, I didn't really have the chance to go to Lamatar, But I was o- o- obviously there for sports days And yeah. the uh, events
0: Swimming Yeah,
1: swimming yeah. and all yeah. If you could elaborate a bit on the origins okay. of Shavatara.
0: Okay um, Actually, I was looking around for a good school uh, Which was really looking after children uh, Caringly And I went around and um, sad to say, I was not happy. I was a bit of a fussy parent, I suppose. So, I um, looked around and then we had this huge uh, house, three storied house, and said, Why not? You know, we were all teachers in the family. said, We should start our own because we had enough experience, and we had a lot of ideas about how we wanted education to be. Mm-hmm. So we said, okay, and we got a team together. Team, We picked, handpicked the teachers, and we got a group that were really um, very energetic and skilled. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, 1989, uh, March 16th, we opened our doors and to do a very caring, uh, new kind. It was new in that since it was like very child-centered, you know. And and we got about 34 students right on. And it was like literally uh, the curriculum was made for each child. The menu was planned uh, meticulously by Shamsa, the chairman, who unfortunately is no more with us. And um, we used to make momos on the terrace. The children were... Really uh, happy because we uh, ran a thematic curriculum, which means that we amalgamated all subjects, math, science, English. There were no separate subjects. There were small kids, you know, preschool, grade one up till two, we started off. And people started talking about the school, that this is a really happy place to be. Children love to come and they were learning they were good in the arts and expressionistic uh, dance drama we did everything and soon in 2 3 years uh, the numbers started picking up we had 150 then 200 and it 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 was enough for us at that time in the sanepa premises um it was there was a bakery at the back somewhere you know my husband ran a bakery behind the building and We used to give children fresh baked uh, cakes and biscuits. Uh, I don't know if you had any of it, but uh, we used to uh, really be focused on each child Mm. and parents, close contact with parents. And things like um, corporal punishment was not there, as you must remember, right? Uh, A lot of uh, colourful classrooms, expressions of the children put up, and a creative uh, reporting system where parents were called in and each child was not only with a set of marks, you know, but um, their remarks told about Mm. their behavior, their likes and dislikes, and like that, that's how Mm. we started. Mm. And then it went on and on, and it it was difficult to control the numbers Mm. after some time, Mm. you know.
1: Ma'am, you said you had uh, experience before. Could you elaborate, like, or yes. before running the school? Like... Yes,
0: it was. Um, it was. I was working in uh, in two two ways: one non formal and one formal school. Mm-hmm. It was a small school in India, Darjeeling, called mm-hmm. Bethany. Uh, unfortunately, it was a bit formal, <laughs> but uh, the one experience I loved was in the village. Where I studied in Saint Joseph's College mm. and Loreto mm. School, then college was in Saint Xavier's, and they had um, uh, ex-students' um, social service unit called um, Hayden Hall, and uh, I <coughs> uh, volunteered there as a supervisor of the night schools. So I was uh, experienced in night schooling, which was totally different from formal mm. schooling. But uh, to come to think of it, I like that now. Now that I've had a taste of the formal system, the night school was very effective, and uh, n- now I can see the adult the adults in the village whom I taught in the junior classes. There were five centers, and uh, they have all now um, they can read, write, and they their lives have changed because mm-hmm. of attending those classes. Mm-hmm. That's that's what mm-hmm. I did.
1: My dad also studied in Darjeeling, and he used to tell me stories about how Darjeeling was like the place to yes. study. Like everybody yes. wanted to uh, go to Darsling to study. Yes. Yes. Uh, how was the educational system there at that time in Darjeeling?
0: It is um, mostly, um, uh, it is uh, like the nuns and the priests, you know, a lot of schools there follow their system. But as such, um, it is... Uh, uh, it is a good old uh, formal system, you know. I think Nepal has now more modern systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, when I went back to my uh, nun teachers, you know, I said, Mother, how do you teach? Because I was really raving about school and research and all this, and I, I wanted to know how my teachers thought. I said, How did you teach us? What method did you follow? And she said, "I we just teach. <laughs> so in that sense, they were like just born teachers. They taught in the good old uh, textbooks way, but they were good, you know, the teachers were well qualified and they taught the subject thoroughly. Like my own sister was a teacher, uh, English teacher, and she was so thorough in what she taught that I don't think we can get a better teacher than her in getting the matter across to the student, you know. If you give a child to her, like a bunch of teachers, for example, I literally did this in school, and they used to write remarks, and we she used to correct them, and she said, this is terrible, these remarks have so many mistakes, I want to teach your teachers. So we gave them over to her for a few sessions. And believe me, uh, they became excellent writers after a few. She had a way, you know, mm-hmm. the teachers, old teachers had a way, they had a dedication. They didn't let a child go without you know, getting corrected for their mistakes. This was amazing. In every mistake in a book, they would, she would write a, a long remark and make sure that that mistake is corrected the next time. You know, but we don't find that education uh, mm-hmm. in in schools today. Mm-hmm. You know? We don't even find a tick sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> to see that the matter mm-hmm. has been corrected. You know, mm-hmm. but the teachers of the and even till now, I think uh, the system there is uh, still very uh, good because <clears throat> the principals and all are, uh, they are united, you know. They, they all meet for professional meetings. They, they have lots of activities together between schools. And there's a strong respect for education, culture of education there. The teachers are respected. And uh, uh, and students also get a, a good uh, good education. They mm-hmm. they go all over the world with that education.
1: Ma'am, do you miss? Do you think uh, Shrivatara was uh, influenced by the educational system of Darjeeling?
0: Well, yes. Uh, we we gave a good dose of the English. You mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. the curriculum which we followed the stories which we read, and all the good background in English that we got, Mm. and the general knowledge that they taught us, and we give this to the children. But I think um, Shuvatara branched out into creative more. Uh, Yes, yes, I I, I started the thematic system, uh, which was taking uh, a bit of all the subjects and uh, with a common topic, common subject, and then relating to that over a week or two and then children got thorough knowledge of, of all various topics related to that main topic you know so i did a few different things yes but the uh, but the respect for teachers the discipline uh, was was in us and mm, we wanted to pass mm, it on to mm. the children
1: how much preparation uh, was behind the school opening so how much time did you guys uh, research and then the management how much time did it take
0: uh, <coughs> excuse me it took us about a year, yeah, and uh, to get the good team going and to get the place physically ready. And uh, that's it, about mm-hmm. a
1: year. Please. And uh, what was like the mindset or like uh, the vision for Shuvatara when when it opened?
0: Well, oh, the vision was quite lofty. <laughs> and uh, we wanted to um, give the children, uh, we had a very strong feeling that Nepalese, can do a lot, you know, in us. Mm. Because we had given, been given that strong foundation. Mm. We felt that we could do anything, go anywhere in the world and hold hold ourselves up, you know. Uh, so we wanted our kids to do that too. We wanted the grounding of their families, their culture, you know, and be exposed to the best of foreign education also, you know, mm. international yeah. uh, trends in education. So that's what we laid out the curriculum uh, like, you know. we. Uh, English pronunciation, uh, the best of uh, grammar and uh, comprehension, and all that, and the storybooks, reading culture, and all this. But um, we made sure that Nepali was not neglected, mm. and the cultural activities. You know, the mm-hmm. the children were allowed to speak in Nepali. If you mm. remember, yeah, yeah. we never punish them. You know, mm. that's what I didn't like about um, some some schools uh, in India too. Like English had to be spoken by the children and they were given a stick if you spoke Nepali. That, I think, is really horrible in your own country, if you can't uh, speak your own language. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, everyone will become very Anglicized. You just can only speak English and you come home and you expect all English standards and that's that's not Mm -hmm. realistic, right? Mm -hmm. So we encourage both. uh, Customs at home need to be respected and that's how we did it, and the planning was in in detail with the mm. teachers. We used to have lots of meetings, workshops, and you know, the child centered methods
1: were taught. Mm. You know. So what were like the initial challenge for opening a school?
0: Mm, the challenges. Um, well, I think I was lucky. You know, I had a very supportive family behind me. My husband. Uh, with a lot of uh, financial support, he gave us the whole house to take over as a school, and we moved over to a small flat. Mm-hmm. And the uh, shivadara started with uh, five classes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, initial finan- uh, financially and uh, infrastructure wise uh, was not too difficult. He also took care of the transport arrangements, the buses, the drivers, and the food. You know, we promised. That they should get good food because um, a person with an empty stomach is a very angry person, yeah. <laughs> cannot concentrate, right? So, even for teachers, staff, everything, the same food, you know. So, he planned the menu. That way, I was so lucky. Mm. And then I had to look after the academics and the extra activities. And so, I had a lot of support that way. But the, the troubles began after the school reached its initial first half you know, say, say it, uh, ten, ten, 10 years and after. Those were really uh, idyllic days. Right? It was fun, uh, the dream coming true, mm-hmm. you know, children happy. <clears throat> and after the first batch passed out, perhaps the the trouble started, uh, the numbers started growing mm-hmm. and the numbers became uh, quite un- uh, unmanageable in the sense that I believed um, in the child-centered way, where uh, the small size numbers, you know, with 20 would be the ideal. But looking at the financial uh, reality and our policy of not charging too much to the parents, we had to keep 30, you know. So uh, 30 in a class and one section was not enough, then it became two, and then it became three. So the challenge was, that was... um, a little bit of a challenge on quality, you know, because you have to have the same amount of quality teachers, then the furniture, then all the infrastructure, and everything has to, buses, everything has to grow. So financially, uh, though the numbers grew and it looked like we were uh, earning a lot, uh, there was a lot of investment too. So this whole uh, balancing act, uh, my husband helped me all the Mm. time, you know, and... I was really not worried about numbers. I just wanted the best for the children, you know, mm-hmm. the best of materials in stationery, whatever. If it was bad quality, it would be sent back. And we really wanted to give value for money and uh, the the children should be uh, happy and uh, well-adjusted and productive, you know. Mm-hmm. So the challenges came later. Mm-hmm.
1: So I remember, like uh, Shweta also had stationaries a lot that we na- yeah. that you mentioned that we used to go and then and then sneak up a bit and then take the stationaries. I mean, th- it was really good stationaries to be honest. Yes, uh, and See, then, as I told you. Yeah, yeah. and like talking about extracurriculum activities as well, like Shweta had one of the more. Uh, Different kind of activities in 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 the school. So, how did you like plan those activities?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting question. We had so many activities, and that was to actually balance the very. Uh, as the kids got into higher grades, the it became more and more formal, mm-hmm. and uh, all teachers were not able to handle the formal curriculum in a creative way, uh, because they were not all trained at you know the same time and. Some some leave in the middle and new ones come in and it's always a challenge. So we wanted the balance to be made by the extra activities for the child, not to have a boring class always, you know. So they had uh, art and craft, they had music, they had singing, dancing. And so as many teachers, you know, were employed and uh, also uh, physical activities, karate, wushu, uh, whatever the tendencies of the children uh, was, they could choose gymnastics or um and that was taught mostly for fitness and uh, self defense also mm-hmm. we wanted girls especially to learn karate and uh mm-hmm. self defense because that would uh, help them to defend themselves in case of trouble and um we um uh we try to balance the curriculum. And it was planned in a way that the formal would be interspersed with informal activities, you know? Mm -hmm. So it looked like there was a set of children always on the field who were either dancing or who were uh, on the stage and who were playing football. And the neighbors used to say, does Shuvatara just have fun um, fun activities all the time? Do they not study, you know? So it was a challenge even to make them realize that they study as well, and they do well. And mm-hmm. as as you can see, how well they have done in both in academics and in extra uh, extra activities. So I think uh, that's the way we did it: balancing the uh, the the routine. You know, it was not just a set of boring classes, eight periods of math, science, English, and uh, then one day in a week uh, change the uniform and have activities the mm-hmm. whole day.
1: And and uh, now that I look back on it, I think uh, the uniforms were also really interesting. And uh, now I think I know the value right now. But back then I was just a little kid. So yeah. I, it was a hassle for me yeah. to wear those uniforms. But yeah. I think now I can join the dots on why those uniforms were that. Yeah. Uh, so if you could talk about uh, why we had to wear our national uniforms yeah. and then what was the thought process behind those colors and the uniforms?
0: Yes, the, well, uh, blue <coughs> blue, uh, blue, pants and a tunic, white shirt, and red tie. They just looked good, you know. They looked bright, and a child we thought should look bright and nice. And uh, then we introduced the Daura Sural and the Faria Cholo, <laughs> yeah. which the children complained, you know, because the little ones. Everyone had to wear it, including mm-hmm. the teachers. Little ones with their long skirt, like a fariya, you know, sometimes they used to trip and fall over it. And in summer, some parents complained it was too hot for the children. But we did it because, um, first of all, the blue and red was very attractive and they stood out. It was a value uh, we were trying to pass on because um, of the national uh, consciousness. We were Nepali and uh, we should be like proud to wear our national costume, proud to speak our national language, something like that, you know. we That's why we introduced that Nepali costume. Mm.
1: Yes. And and what about the um, sports where I think the houses? We had houses, yes, right? Yes, yes. If you could elaborate on how that came about as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, houses, uh, the sun shines, shine, yeah. sunbeams, sun and uh, uh, moondrops, moon drops, yeah. We just thought like since the uh, name of the school was Shuvatara and it was something to do with stars, we thought that name should also reflect starry, something star uh, star quality. So that's how the sunbeams came and sunbeams uh, was yellow, right? And moondrops was, uh, since the moon is blue, the moondrops were blue. And uh, then there was... Uh, star shines and beams and
1: Moondrops. and then i think yeah those were the three Yeah, i believe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then uh, the the houses were there and if uh, i i uh, personally uh, saw that it kind of became like this pride sensation that i was in star uh, shine so like for me the people around me became more valuable and then the competition was there so how how did you see like looking back? How did you see the houses separated? Like how did you see that coming about? And then what were your reaction that now people are like oh, okay they're competitive and then it's like they have a small kind of house, you know?
0: Yeah, they it gave that little edge that competition, and that's also it was necessary, you know, because in the house games and all without a little bit of uh, competition there wouldn't be Mm -hmm. any fun, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, It created a lot of enthusiasm in the children. And uh, of course for the losers it always was sad. Mm -hmm. But we used to teach that uh, don't be too excited if you win Mm -hmm. and not too sad if you lose because life is like that, you know. We used to try and say this to you. And uh, it just came about, you know. Uh, uh, The children love to belong. To, to a house and with the housemaster and the mistress and give that sense of uh, cohesion, you know, and uh, the identity. And now see how it has lasted forever. like They identify se- themselves first as Shubhutari and then as a star shiner, you know, or a moon beamer, you know. It's yeah. it is just the way that the school was organized. Uh, yeah, I
1: think even the teachers were so proud that uh, yeah. there were starshine, there was moondrops, yeah, yeah. And even even they were competitive with the students itself. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. and I was supposed to be very uh, 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 aloof from all the competition. Mm-hmm. But there were two kids of mine who were in starshine who studied in the school. And if I ever raised a hand or or clapped for them, you know, it used to be seen by everybody. (laughs) So I had to be very careful that the Uh others did not feel that Miss Rani is just, you know, after cheering for her own children. And things like this, it comes around. It's it's a healthy kind of fun, healthy competition. Mm. And I try to encourage the healthy competition. Mm. Even when you went out to play games with other schools and all, I used to see some very unhealthy competition going on. Mm. This made me very sad, actually. And I stopped uh, competing in those type of events if it created so much bad blood. Because it should be on a fun level, you know. Uh, Schools will uh, win, schools will lose. You're all part of a team uh, in the education system. You know, we shouldn't have cutthroat competition like, uh, we're not politicians, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just, it should be healthy fun. And don't be too too proud of being a winner also because it makes others feel bad. That's what we we practiced actually, mm-hmm. yes.
1: Uh, Miss, Sundi, did you mean like uh, us competing with other schools, that competition? Yes,
0: yes. Uh, we should compete, we should try our best. When we used to win on uh, many occasions, but uh, the demeanor with which you win, I think should always have grace you know mm-hmm. and dignity you should not be so stuck up that the others will feel bad that mm-hmm. you have won they should come and congratulate you you know mm-hmm. and uh, that creates peace i feel you know otherwise mm-hmm. if you behave uh, very mean and proud then the others will feel bad also and they will also start saying all things about you so that i found a lot uh, not happening mm-hmm. not no tolerance among schools
1: mm-hmm. Miss, how did you find the managing part uh, while the school was growing and then now there suddenly is a lot of people and you have to handle a lot of people? How was that learning curve for you?
0: That was very hard. It was hard because I was not a total manager. I would rather be in the classroom singing mm. and dancing or teaching the children, you know. Mm. I would not, I would hate to make those. Uh, <clears throat> or management decisions, but I had to do it. I was I was the head and bringing other heads. We brought a lot of vice heads, everything, but it always fell on my head in the last. It was uh, difficult, but we tried to do it with uh, uh, decisions with a lot of consideration, you know, for teachers or for staff or for management um, if something had gone wrong. We always try to give them a voice to defend themselves, and we for you know the forgiveness attitude, like okay, now don't do this again. So the warnings, mm. oh, don't do this again, like that, you know, mm. for most common mm. uh, mistakes, small mm. mistakes.
1: Uh, how was dealing with children? How was that for you?
0: The children were always uh, such, so endearing. They they made a lot of mistakes. They were naughty but uh, we had to be strict on them show them that we will take uh, we will they will have consequences but in the end you know they don't mean harm they are doing it because they're innocent we had a system of our disciplining with smileys and grumpies mm-hmm. do you remember mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and that used to control the discipline a lot the children hated getting grumpies, you know. Yeah. And there was the warning card also yeah, yeah. for those the the very die-hard naughty ones, you know. The warning card would bring in a parent, you know, and then that would bring in tears also. And uh, it was like a big play acting actually. Now Aww. I can say it. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> I had to act very. Uh, uh, strict and everything and the, all the tears then they would come to realize the main thing was to make them realize and mm-hmm. uh, you know say say that they were sorry mm-hmm. and they wouldn't they would try to be good so mm-hmm. that's it that's that's.
1: now I think I can look back and yeah <laughs> about <laughs> the warning card yeah. I, I never received it <laughs> okay. but like uh, we already had we always had that fear about yeah. warning cards yes, grumpies yes, yes, and I think yeah it makes sense now <laughs> yeah. to be honest I
0: don't think in all those 35 years I ever the three warning cards uh, led to a rustication oh. you know, and there was, I think just one restriction in the whole of our career. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also unfortunate. I feel sad. I just felt that w- no child is wicked and bad forever. in mm. every child they could have done the bad <clears throat> bad action because of some reason, mm. uh, compulsion. some friends made them naughty to do something naughty. And they are always good inside. I mm-hmm. just felt like they were divine. Mm-hmm. So literally, children were divine angels. They made me very happy. It was a happy school, mm-hmm. uh, right till the end. But we had problems a little
1: later. Mm. This, uh, if you could also talk about a bit about uh, like teachers, and uh, now that we saw the part of the students, if yes. you could talk about a bit of teachers, how you like how teachers were involved and stuff.
0: Yeah, teachers were very cooperative right from the start. I, I literally used to worship the teachers, you know, because without them the school would not run. Mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. a day would run without the teachers, right? So their input is so important. So we used to train them, we used to handpick them, and they used to be thoroughly ingrained in the philosophy of the school. So when the numbers grew big, uh, that became a challenge, you know. The ones that you have groomed. Uh, sometimes would move on for some reason, and then we would not be able to retain them for uh, you know for reasons of salary maybe, or some other school might take them away, or um, they would just go away for academic uh, in, uh, you know reinforcement or something. Then the new ones who came in were not uh, familiar and uh, with the philosophy, and that would pose challenges mm-hmm. and very difficult, and then mm-hmm. they would make mistakes. But we always tried to give them a long rope to learn, Mm. you know, to because, but they had to do things the way that Shivatara wanted it. Mm. Like there was no corporal punishment, they would not be able to pinch the children, hit the children, you know. The parents are not beating them at home, Mm. so we should also not do that. Mm. Uh, And anyway, that doesn't serve a purpose. Mm. So, um, it was teachers were very nice, they learned so much. And the the children loved them, you know. They they helped me to groom the school, bring it all the way up to what what it was. And uh, I think most of our teachers were wonderful. And uh, only a few would not uh, imbibe the philosophy. And uh, like, you know, the school had this policy that uh, the children are respected. And that was very difficult for some of the traditional-minded teachers. Mm -hmm. Like, your child is a child to be kept shut, you know? Like, no, we believed in the child, we respected the child's rights, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that was hard to think. And when that was, uh, like, uh, they crossed the boundaries with that, then I was uh, there to defend the children, protect the children. Mm -hmm. And on such occasions, sometimes we had a huge clash with the teachers Mm. who would not see uh, it from the child's point of view or why the management is taking Mm. action. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
1: How hard was it like, uh, because you want the best for the children and some, as you said, some teachers might cross the line. Like how would you uh, control that in such a huge school?
0: Oh yes, that was, um, the children were the first, uh, (laughs) Uh, source of information. (laughs) They had so much access to me, I suppose they would come running and tell me uh, that this teacher used this bad word on me, or treated me uh, badly, you know. And then, that's what happened. Uh, uh, In Sanipa school, there was a group of girls who came to me, uh, of grade 8, and they had uh, Quite a bad complaint about their senior <clears throat> teachers, uh, you know, uh, touching them in the wrong places. And this was not tolerable, you know, and they were really upset. And uh, their parents didn't know about it. So I had to do something. I was like their parent at, mm-hmm. at school. So we asked them to, are you really sure that this is true, that your complaint is true? This yes, Missus, it was not one or two; it was a whole group of them. So they wrote out their complaints and gave it to me. And as the principal, I had to do something. So I asked the teachers concerned. There were about three of them. "Um, Would you please give me an answer to this uh, complaint about the, the children made by the children about about yourself? And then they were very angry. After they got the letter from me, mm. they did not take it in the right uh, way. Uh, they did not reply. If they had replied me and said, we have not done this at all, this is a false complaint. Then you know some discussions would have taken place, and uh, maybe this matter would be resolved. But uh, it was quite bad. I think the start of the problems uh, was for Shuvatara with that incident the school closed down for a whole week the problem was not resolved yes mm-hmm. i don't know if you remember that yeah. it was in the papers oh yes because i took a stand i said mm-hmm. uh, uh the it was so bad it was indiscipline that uh, uh, we were not really blaming them we just wanted an answer to the question that the children had raised and instead of that they went into a huge uh Uh, 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 non-cooperation movement they all organized uh, a group of them organized the whole uh, teachers and they stayed away from classes it was the first day of school and they did not attend classes Mm -hmm. they stood away from assembly Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the children saw all of that and that Mm -hmm. was the beginning of a very bad phase Mm -hmm. that I was so uh, upset with that that uh, the children are looking at their teachers being uh, disrespectful to the management, mm. you know And that process started since then mm. It never stopped
1: mm. Miss, This was uh, in Sanepa. Yes Oh, so uh, while, because now that Shuvatara was rising a yes. bit uh, How hard was it to keep that image uh, to sustain the school?
0: Yes, it was... Um, It was pretty hard. We never wanted children to feel insecure and the parents too. We never really let them know. But that time we had to send a message saying the school is closing because the children have been harassed like this. And the parents were very upset and they didn't want, you know, as usual, they don't want others to know. They want to keep it all hushed up they didn't want, uh, there was media coverage on that. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was very, that way I was very righteous, you know. Uh, for me, to protect the child was my first duty mm-hmm. and nothing else mattered. And mm-hmm. the chairman also supported me mm-hmm. and the board members also, they came mm-hmm. in and we formed a committee. It was very hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, uh, But in spite of uh, the bad image, uh, the school just still went on uh, with, mm-hmm. with good work. We still had the other teachers to support us. Mm. So we had to carry on. We didn't mm. want to mm. let this uh, impede the school's development. Mm. So we went on, but that little uh, process of uh, defiance and uh, uh, you know, uh, challenge sort mm. of to the management uh, mm. decisions was, was, had been started mm. and that went on rolling. Mm. And it was always there under mm. current. And uh, we always try to cover up and make things happen. I mean, it was a big strain, a very big strain on us because uh, we gave a hundred percent, you know, like Tanman Tan and uh, others not doing that. For, not, for. It was a dream school. Mm-hmm. And somehow there was a chip chip in the armor, you know, somewhere. The, it, it, something was not going right, mm-hmm. right from those times. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: I think it's interesting because... Uh, The relationship you had with children, I think that came really well. And Mm -hmm. then how it shaped the school, that was also pretty interesting. And then because... how, how how because we as little kids were a bit scared of you <laughs> we we as kids like <laughs> you saw you in the assembly and then we were a bit scared to go approach you yes, yes. but i think as we aged we kind of yes. like knew that you were you were not like scary you were just kind and then once we aged i think we could bond a bit well
0: yeah. Yeah. that is uh the relationship with the children uh was there uh, from my side as well as with the other teachers. Mm-hmm. That was a hallmark, I feel, very close relations with parents uh, and the teachers, the older teachers have till today. And <clears throat> like I, they just remember the school so much and mm-hmm. they can't stop talking about it, you know? And I'm so grateful for that mm. contact with my children and I gel very well with the kids, you know? Uh, I think more with kids than with adults. <laughs>
1: Miss, and I want to share like how we loved the food, (coughs) Uh, because like at Wednesday we had burgers, and Mm -hmm. we, uh, I didn't really like fries, but my friends loved fries, so they would only get fries, and I would get the burger with the soup. So like, how did you maintain the standards for food? Because I think it was such an important aspect for Shubhada, and like we just loved the food. Now looking back on the schools that I have. Studied in I think Shivatara Had the best food
0: Yeah I think I, The credit again Goes to Shamsa Because mm-hmm. he was a foodie Yeah mm. And uh, he ran so many restaurants And uh, he just It was um, amazing To see a businessman Give um, Make his menu um, In the school mm-hmm. So uh, Large heartedly You know He was not caring about How much a portion To give the child Or uh, What the expense was actually, (laughs) uh, because the food was varied. It was burger on Wednesday and the borders, you know, in Lamatar used to get uh, even better, like pizzas and macaroni and uh, puris and jalebis, and you know all sorts of things. They had a very good cook and he set up his cooks. The chefs used to be there, you know, Uh, Mm. the full trained chef and a team, a whole team. The kitchen was like a hotel a big hotel kitchen and very busy place from morning till night, you know, and uh, the the infrastructure, the dining hall, everything. There was no compromise on the quality. And uh, we just wanted the kids to be well-fed, healthy, and some were overfed, actually. They were very naughty, (laughs) the boarders especially. They used to eat too many hamburgers, you know. But there was, like Sir said, they are growing. And if they want to eat fifteen hamburgers, okay, so be it. But uh, we used to say, "Okay, stop," because you're going to get sick. But no, they were not sick. They were they became huge and uh, huge and hulky. But uh, they loved it. And the small children, of course, ate less. You know, so from the economic point of view, also mm-hmm. that was balanced. So in that way, food, yeah, it is a it is a big uh, plus plus point, as I see. Everyone is. Now you know, people don't have food to eat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the way food was given there, and also given to the poor, uh, Nara and Seva, you know, there used to be in Lamatar. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you did it in Sanipal. This when we used to collect all the poorer people from the community, and they used to be served by the children. Mm-hmm. So that also imbibed some value of uh, service in the children, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how food uh, served us. We could.
1: I could also remember like there was like an elevator for the food and we used to get so much fascinated by how like the food came up and mm-hmm. then we had the food. So it was very interesting infrastructure yes, yes, that yes. back then. Everything
0: like well placed and planned and invested in so that uh, there would be no compromise on the quality.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was also because um, uh, you guys already had like a food a restaurant chain and yes. if you could talk about that a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is also very true. Um, so it was his uh, natural for him, you know, he used to go into the kitchen and cook himself, cook mm-hmm. jams with the children, and uh, then used to organize dinners, uh, uh, teaching the children table manners, and a full three-course meal, you know, the borders, got all of that. And uh, unfortunately, we couldn't do that in Um uh, The restaurant... Uh, management uh, techniques, the skills, were definitely there. And any time we needed extra cooks, you know, they would be there. And uh, children going on treks and all had cooks going with them. And the the food that they cooked was of good quality, you know. Some sumptuous uh, dal bhat torkari also. And, uh, yeah, it definitely helped. And so... Uh, gave very generously uh, of his ice creams I don't know yeah. did it come to Shandipa I don't know uh, I ice creams I think so sometimes think so, yes. yeah sometimes yeah yes. we yes. got yes. ice yes. creams yes. as well yeah. that came from his ice cream Azabko uh, ice cream uh, connection and um, then always on the treks and all uh, on the trips to Kurintar the 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 resort the, you know you got access to that uh, lovely place because of of him, of his resort. And then uh, also uh, bakery cafes used to sell ice cream Mm -hmm. and Sanipa children used to get highest smiley awards Mm -hmm. and used to be taken out, you know, Mm -hmm. to the cafe and eat ice cream and come back. Big treat Mm -hmm. for the children, you know, Mm -hmm. that way. Miss, if
1: you could elaborate a bit of story of uh, bakery cafe as well.
0: Yeah, bakery cafes were started by Sir to with a very conscious uh, effort to serve the underserved, the the deaf people. So we trained them and Mm -hmm. uh, hired them. And we were a little worried how it would go. But from the day one, it just took off, you know, and people were so uh, charmed uh, by the waiters serving like that. And first we thought it'll create problems because you know they wouldn't uh, know w- w- what was the order and but it all fell into place and bakery cafe became a chain yeah
1: i think mm-hmm. the number one product was chicken momos how they introduced <laughs> chicken momos because yes. i think before that it was just buff momo and uh, and then i think bakery cafe was one of the ca- uh, restaurants that really nailed chicken momos and yes. i used yes. to love chicken momos yes yes uh, and then Uh, if you could talk about like uh, the food as well and then the restaurant how it uh, uh, expanded as well
0: yeah um, the the food was uh, it was I think very uh, nicely priced you know it was not overly Mm -hmm. priced Mm -hmm. and the momos uh, Mm -hmm. with the chicken momo I must say is uh, you know money for quality value for Mm -hmm. value for money was the policy of uh, his Mm -hmm. restaurants Mm -hmm. you know like uh, he would not compromise on the meat, uh, for example. Uh, the best of the meat meat part would be uh, given for chicken, you know, not the, all the skin and the bones and all other the sinew, you know, the tendons mm. and all this. They would be all sorted out. So one got pure meat and uh, the ingredients were good and there was a standard maintained because they have a central kitchen in Sanepa where the, the masala and whatever is... Uh, prepared there, you know, and uh, the the momos are also made there actually, and mm. then distributed to all mm. the centers. Mm. So the centers grew because, uh, well, sir so was a entrepreneur and a businessman, you know. He always looked for the place where the the need is there, the population is there, active. So he would find a place very nicely decorated in in a jiffy. You know, he used to open restaurants like it was. Uh, a cup of tea, you know, like uh, it was easy peasy, like because he had all his uh, accounts laid out, uh, all his uh, calculations done, you know, investment wise and everything. And he had he used to just get the staff, and the Deaf Society was very happy, you know, that he was hiring so many mm, Deaf mm, people. Mm. And so that's how he mm. used to do his restaurant. Uh,
1: uh, I was looking through some of uh, his interviews and and there was a line that stood out to me. He said that a lot of people c- tried to copy uh, the bakery cafe, yes. the colors down to everything. Mm. But I wish they uh, c- copied uh, giving the opportunity for yes. the depths as yes. well. Yes. I think, yeah, that was one of the heartwarming quotes that I kind of remembered while watching his interviews.
0: Very true. yes. To, yes. He, he used to tell his restaurant uh, friends and the hotel friends, mm-hmm. you know if there could be some way that they could take in more of the deaf people, um, maybe just in in the basic jobs in the kitchen, but somehow it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm,
1: yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and uh, like uh, seeing the opportunity for uh, those people as well, I think it was very, um, it was a very different kind of um, thought. Plus uh, Bakery Cafe itself had a really good menu so i think that was also it, it was my favorite restaurant when i was a kid i used to go and then there was like statue about the momo mom-man, yeah yeah mom-man. i used to go and then click pictures <laughs> yeah. with that so it was yeah. a very memorable yeah, moment yeah. i think it was in teku that time yes yeah i think it was a very yeah warm yeah, moment
0: that was that restaurant is special because it started off with the uh, the concept of you know helping the deaf people, mm-hmm. which, which which hadn't been there before. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the menu was so uh, varied and nice. Uh, pricing also was not too bad. and then a lot of other restaurants have come in now, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of competition, you know. Mm. And uh, the trend is that uh, it should be flashy and um, very uh, innovative. With uh, maybe a computer as a waiter or something like that, you know, the people like to go for new things. Yeah. yeah. yeah? So we we have to upgrade. We have to keep up with the with the competition too. Uh,
1: miss, and then uh, I think uh, that is also the Biggie cafe is also associated with Sam's One Tree, right? Yes. Uh, yes. If you could uh, a bit tell us a story on how that name also came about, Sam's One Tree.
0: Yes, it was formerly uh, Nanglo, right? Mm-hmm. Nanglo Cafe and Pub. Yeah, yeah. And um, after the earthquake, the whole place shut down, right? And the building that uh, building was a bit old, and it became mm, all uh, not fit to use. And uh, Sir had to uh, revamp it. You know, uh, for a moment, for a while, the 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 restaurant closed down, and then there was a shift. You know, a uh, shift in the uh, the restaurant, the decision to uh, open Sam's One Tree came up, and uh, Nanglo became another entity, mm-hmm. and uh, um, then uh, Nanglo is looked after by his brother, mm-hmm. and uh, Sam's is looked after by um, by Samsa. Yeah,
1: and uh, looking, um, bringing that conversation back to Shwetha as well. Yeah, I I still remember the motto for. For for God and my country. Yes. Uh, so how did you put some those some of those values in Shuvatara? Because I know uh, the songs that we played, the yes. songs that we sang. It was not the Western uh, kind of songs. It was more related to Nepal and the values we had.
0: I'm so glad you noticed that. Yeah. Uh, yes, I made a specific uh, uh, effort. To, to tell the song and dance teachers, so please do not uh, import anything, fill me into uh, teaching the children. Mm. That they will see uh, any time in the movies or in the videos. Uh, from school, let them get some of the national values and about their culture. So that's what uh, I insisted that the song should be uh, social or imbibing some feeling about... The country loving the country mm. yeah and uh, r- rousing type of uh, songs, you know because we need that I think <clears throat> we need that there's a lot of commercialization and with this enemy and all this culture coming in, you know if we also we just ape ape the other other um customs, then we will forget our own
1: mm-hmm. and um because like. It was the sports day. was one of the most interesting uh, time of events that we got to experience. Even I think uh, uh, the past students also came uh, to watch the sports day, and the formation was so rich, right? Like even I still have some of the footages of the sports day, and we also have the Shubhavani. Yes, if you could elaborate on uh, the for the people who are watching, what was Shubhavani for?
0: Yeah. The Shuvatara Vani was, uh, Shuvah is of course a, a part of our school's name and Vani is of course a, a, a message, like a sound, you know, Vani is sound, but it is the sound of, of the Shuvatarians, right? So we just had all the children writing in it, they're, they're expressing their views in Nepali and English, right? And uh, with pictures, it was a compilation of events and it spoke about our philosophy. Uh, it was a, a mouthpiece of Suvatara. and the uh, the the you mentioned the sports day. Oh wow, that was something that we really planned for yeah. days in uh, advance. Did. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of preparation in minute detail. All duties were set so that there should be no um, uh, you know delays or people made uh, to wait and everything all props in place and it should be fun you know and even then that we tried to teach a value like we had a race for parents where they had to clean up the mess you know the garbage we threw mm, a lot yeah. of paper all over the 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 ground and they didn't like that very much <laughs> <laughs> because we had to work hard and then we had fun events too yeah, sports day was special, and yeah. it really, really was heartening to see children just enjoy that so much. You know, and screaming when they won, and then, and. Were beautiful and the bonding between the teachers mm. and the
1: students you know? i also remember like before the sports day we would have practice days and yes. dances and yes. we would get excited but yes. it was tiring at the same time because yes. we, we we could miss classes yes and then but at the same time we had to dance <laughs> so yeah it was a fun moment yeah. looking back
0: This is always a, 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 since it was such an active school and so many activities going on sometimes crazily Mm -hmm. and uh, it was always a a, a tussle between the academic teachers and the ECA teachers, like you've taken away my student and he's weak in maths and he needs to be in class and things like this and I had to (laughs) blow the peace pipe and say, you know, you make up for it later. They used to take their studies very seriously And uh, we always uh, had this sort of daredevilry attitude that no, we will make up for it, you know. First is they should do their extra activities properly, their project work Mm. they should perform and the academics will give them extra time in the evening Mm. or, you know, they will get their their time in for that subject.
1: We as kids, we were so excited, like we were sitting in class and then uh, the teacher was teaching and some people like came and and um, called us for like the extra curriculums and we used to get excited yeah. for the people who could go off and miss yeah. class. I think, yeah, that was a pretty is, good experience back then. always
0: the case, yeah, that you're at least allowed to go that way. You yeah, know? yeah. There are some, I think, uh, places where you're, it's very formal, you're not allowed to budge mm-hmm. And there are no extra activities as such You know, mm-hmm. They just have studies the whole day And they have to study for exams so hard And they have to produce the marks And that's, that's all that is there to show at the end of the day And uh, I think that is most unproductive mm-hmm. In today's mm-hmm. time and day mm-hmm. One has to develop a, a, a multifaceted personality Otherwise, you cannot face the world successfully.
1: Mm. Now that I see, like uh, there's a pattern of uh, the new schools trying to show extracurriculums, but it's only for like the media and stuff, uh, where they really don't have the values. If you could talk about your uh, your opinion on the recent educational system or the recent, um, let's let's say the board or the recent educational system.
0: Well, it's a little difficult to talk about others and the way they are doing things. But mm-hmm. as a teacher, as an educationist, I do ponder about um, how do they manage and what are they actually doing uh, in the how does it fit into the curriculum, and all those activities, if it is done with a a, mo- a mission, with a vision. And if it is grooming the personality of the Mm -hmm. child or the character, Mm -hmm. then that is, uh, I think, Mm -hmm. relevant. Otherwise, just for the sake of uh, pleasing, uh, putting on a show for the parents or the media, I think it's expensive and it's also not really fulfilling its goal. Mm -hmm. It has has to um, be molded into the curriculum Mm -hmm. and and the goals, there has to be a vision why that activity has to take place. Mm-hmm. For example, if you're taking the children to uh, excursion and, uh, in the forest, and uh, or, you know, taking them, for, for example, to Mithila, um, on a, they, every year they used to go, the children, in the winter, winter excursions. You know? Some used to go to Jiri, some used to go to different parts of Nepal, and one group went to Mithila. So when they went to Mithila, it was not just to see Mithila, But it was to integrate with the cultural, the school, Mithila school children there. That was to imbibe um, the value of acceptance in the children. Because the children from the Mithila schools were different from them. And uh, then they did cultural things, fun things with them. They planned and they went. They took to some schools in Trisuli, in Kurintar, they took stationery and they did a sports day with them, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it was a plan thing. And uh, what was the goal? Because that all is in the lesson plans that we make, mm-hmm. you know. What is the objective? Uh, what is the goal? And what are the activities? And what's the outcome? Mm-hmm. That you have to fulfill in any mm-hmm. any lesson, right, mm-hmm. we make. And even these outdoor activities have to have that. Mm-hmm. So what is the outcome? What is the outcome of all the expensive schools? You know, I would... Mm-hmm. I would Sometimes, like to ask parents, like, are you satisfied with the way your child is behaving? Mm. Because the final outcome of education is behavior. How do you behave, you know, once you give them the most expensive education? Are they coming back to your house with, with good manners and with concern for the elderly or concern for the ones who are younger or disabled? You know, things like this. Have you become cultured and uh, humane? Have you learned these values in school? It's learned in school. Because the child, of course it's learned at home, first of all, but most of the time the child nowadays is at school. So if they're not learning, if they learn this in school, it is very good. Mm -hmm. It's half the work done for the Mm -hmm. parents. And society will benefit from this.
1: Mm -hmm. I think we also, uh, Shubhata also uh, experimented with A-levels. Yes. If you could touch up on the yes. ways A-levels were yes. back then.
0: Yes, we had a nice group for A-levels. In fact, my daughter also did her A-levels and she uh, did well. She got scholarships in five universities with it. And many of them are doing uh, excellently in academics now, the A-level students. But um, notwithstanding the good results and all that, uh, we were not happy with how uh, A-levels was uh, their curriculum was not teaching about our own environment our our history our culture there's there was no subject that we could choose which would tell us about ourselves you know it was we are just learning about uh, the the British uh, history or you know economics of another country so I felt that in that crucial age you know 18 uh, 16 17 18 you should be learning practical projects, or to benefit your society and your community and your country. Your mindset should be growing to do something for your country. So we felt the A-levels did not fulfill that. Mm. So we gave it up and we were preferring the plus two. Of course, that had its own uh, loopholes, but we were free to uh, add on our own uh, curriculum to it mm-hmm. So that's what we mm-hmm. That's why we gave up The A-levels mm-hmm.
1: Do you think It's because uh, Shuvatara's morals And values Didn't align with A-levels At that time
0: mm. Well When you talk of Morals and values In today's world You know You sound like a outdated person You know Or somebody Very religious Or spiritual But Not not to say that I'm not trying to say that But It um, We were not doing it Out of a very moralistic uh, decision, but it, it was not uh, beneficial educationally uh, for the mm. goals that we had. Mm-hmm. The education goals that we had was to make the child all-round, um, you know, blended, all-round educated, ad- able to adapt to his or her society. And I don't know how far the foreign curriculums will teach the adaptation process because Nepal is a very different reality you know, more and more our reality is becoming harsh and we need to teach our children how to go back and serve in that harsh reality, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what is the use of education? Just giving them a degree or a piece of paper, they should be able to live and survive in that society and do well and make changes and make contributions.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it, it was uh, those uh, E-levels and I-B is more tuned for uh, for people to go abroad. So it's more uh, like the whole model is for people to go abroad and then not stay in Nepal. Because I think if you stay in Nepal with those degrees or those education, I think it limits you a bit because we are not as... uh, Nepal is not that advanced in terms of some uh, sectors. So I think, uh, yeah, people might struggle with uh, A-levels if they plan to study here.
0: Yes, then you become a misfit, you know, in your own country. So uh, I think now the trend would be for the country to educate, the policy makers should introduce environmental education, climate change. Look what it's doing for uh, the country. I mean, uh, we're sitting on top of earthquakes uh, to happen any time. We've got glaciers melting, right? We've got um, dams uh, that can burst any time. We need to know more about our geography, our environment, our, 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 our people—the depressed people, the marginalized people—and how they can their lives can be made more uh, productive. You no, know, the poverty level is so low. How can we live in a, a, a you know in a paradise of our own? Only we need education needs to serve the mm-hmm. uh, the country and uh, the the ones who have the ability to to bring in all these kind of trainings. You know, the vocational training. They're not doing it. They're just catering to the, the wants of the parents or the students and sending them abroad. So what is the difference between those people riding on the plane and going working in Dubai and every, and okay, our students will work in will go to bigger bigger cities and work in as what as, as you know part-time job holders and work in universities or colleges. but then they are serving another country. Right. All that tra- talent could have been tapped and utilized in Nepal. But then hope is not lost. I think young people are also staying back, right? And um, they're coming back. And uh, it's very hopeful that uh, they are doing enterprising. Shuvatarians are coming back, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. They have so many startup companies, creative companies. I'm so happy and proud to know about uh, Patao, for example. And, uh, the, you know, my son was telling me about so many uh, ways that Chupatarians are starting new things in society. That way, I think we have to move ahead. Mm-hmm. You are doing this job, look, and both of you, so uh, nice to see this.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, uh, one of the other concerns that I could see uh, while, like, you you and other people running the school was mental health. Yes. And I think it's an issue that has uh Really affected a lot of uh, students as well in these days. So, how was uh, dealing with mental health a challenge as a principal?
0: Well, um, small children are not that affected. You know, you never know. Some, you have an odd one with a severe learning disability or something. But in the senior classes, like class seven, eight, above, then as they are getting into the adolescent, um, frequencies, you know they are facing stress and from peers and uh, from friends in school from home, you know, they start building relationships and then the parents start uh, getting very strict on them and then there's pressure of the teachers to study and get better grades, the parents also relatives, it's extremely uh, stressful environment and there, there are no counsellors in the Nepali schools <laughs> There were none as back then, you know, uh, when Shivatara was going. And we were lucky that we got a very, very good person who was caring. And his his time in Shivatara was the most active, you know. Like there was such long lines of children wanting to go to him. And I used to, he, he didn't really share with me the names. I never asked him about any particular child, but... If there was a problem, he would share it with me. If there was a concern that we needed to contact the parents or, you know, like there's concern for their their well-being, you know, if they were going to do something destructive to themselves. And um, he used to tell me that they're so stressed, you know, that even by the uh, simple things like a teacher's behavior towards them. Like if it's not caring at that age, it really hurts, you know. So if you don't understand mathematics, then the teacher tells you, mm. uh, in front of all the friends and the peers. It's so so shaming you know, for that person. So mm. uh, This sort of smine, fine uh, attention to uh, the feelings of a child, of a young adult, has really ma- made me concerned, you know, the lack of feeling. Uh, you are made fun of in front of others, you know. Maybe you have a different accent, you have a different color, you know, or you have a different gender maybe, you have a gender issue. These things are not, well, unfortunately, tolerated by our teaching community still. It Mm -hmm. is still a thing that uh, has to be trained and taught to them. Trainings have to be done in schools for teachers, parents, parents. how to counsel the child, and counseling groups have to be made. You know, the government is not even aware of all this.
1: Mm-hmm. I also remember that uh, we used to do meditations in class yes, as well. Yes, and I think yoga was also a part yes. of the curriculum. Uh, uh, how how was was that a thought uh, to improve mental health as well?
0: Yes, of course, mental health uh, is greatly helped by meditation and yoga. And uh, it, general health is improved, you know. That's why we improved it, introduced it, and uh, it's also a touch of our culture, you know, that our Eastern values. Uh, now the West is so crazy about it, and they have become our teachers, right? They come and they come out with so many packages to teach mm-hmm. teach us, and we pay huge sums of money. But yoga here, it, it's it's a it started from the east and i think it's a shame that we don't know about it you know that's why we had it and Mm. meditation too Mm. just to relieve the stress that the young people face you know and then they have they need a friend to talk Mm. to so if they don't have a a counselor if they don't have a a good friend you know at least they can do meditation and uh, if you are taught meditation properly you can uh, uh, practice it yourself you know to Relieve a lot of strain to help uh, he- you become healthy. Uh,
1: so, since you also um, taught, or did you ever miss uh, teaching students that wa- once you were the principal?
0: Yes, yes, that that is a very good question. Uh, not enough time to go into the classroom, you mm-hmm. know. I used to enjoy, uh, but my son tells me I was a very bad teacher because he tells me I used to go off the topic. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to admire teachers who stayed on the topic and made their lesson plans so well And st- st- stuck to their, you know, lesson plans And I was a very bad teacher that way <laughs> I never had a lesson plan <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so. I was an impromptu teacher, you know, always filling in for someone So I could take any class, any time
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So Miss, as uh, Shuvatara was in the rise uh, in, in, in that era uh, how how did you feel with the team you had? What was the feeling going through when Shrivatara was at its peak? And how did you guys humble yourself to be uh, having the same values and not changing and making it more expensive for the people?
0: Oh, wow. What a question. How do you think of these questions? <laughs> oh, this is amazing. It just reflects, uh, I think that's because you're a Shuvatarian. We did not, uh, we used to tell the children, don't become too proud of being on the top, you know. And Mm. that's what we followed. Uh, In fact, it used to make me worried, you know, because there was so much uh, attention. And then people came to know about us, you know, media, and they want interviews, and then... Student uh, admission pressure, you know, and the, all the big wigs also want, and then you have to cater to that. And we're we're just humble teachers. We want to be left alone to do our job. That's what my policy was. So I was not also good at marketing uh, tricks and all this. I didn't know how to promote uh, the school. You know, that, uh, people used to do a lot of uh, hire people to. Do that. I I wasn't good at that, but. I used to feel our work and what our children do is our uh, is our uh, advertisement and people see their behavior they want to bring their child to our school. So uh, yes that's uh, the, I hope I answered your question yeah, 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 about yes, the yes, yes, humility yes. part. Uh, I always thought that and I think in our own lives also we we forbid ourselves to become mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, snooty or proud because I don't think uh, material things last for a very short time, and it, uh, I think the the purity of the spirit is more important mm-hmm. and uh, that is lasting
1: yeah I, I think because uh, there are a lot of schools that I've seen and then since the foreign boards are also here, people tend to charge a lot for for uh, the education and it's a rising problem, even uh, it's it's seen throughout Nepal uh, and since because because Shuvatara uh, had a lot to offer. How did you guys maintain uh, the the fee and not make it so expensive that uh, people couldn't afford it?
0: The main concern was the parents. No, we mm. we knew that Nepalese parents cannot afford that much. They were mm. middle class, and there was if there were some upper middle class, there were many who were lower middle class, and uh, then there were so many scholarship students. Twenty percent were scholarships, right, and. Uh, so we we felt for them. We had promised them that it is a, it is not an elite school. It was a school for all all round development of their children, affordable school. Uh, so we had to keep to that uh, no matter what. So we used to run at a a loss even, mm-hmm. and, and so we used to run to Sam sir, to uh, f- pull in you know, f- uh, give us uh, the salaries sometimes mm-hmm. because. The fees have not been raised on Mm -hmm. time for the teachers' payments. And uh, teachers' salaries also were a challenge, because uh, though it was at par with the government, uh, which was quite high, they had raised their scales. And with all the facilities uh, they got, uh, it, it... We had to, it was quite a balancing act, you know, Mm -hmm. we had Mm -hmm. to try it, but we wouldn't uh, change the policy,
1: Mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. Miss, how was the transition from Sanepa to Lamatar?
0: Yeah, that was quite traumatic. Um, Sanepa was getting so crowded, uh, 800 students there and then uh, uh, 400 more was added when the borders joined them and... So it was can you can imagine um, there was just not enough space mm-hmm. and the noise level had gone up and mm-hmm. neighbors were complaining and the buses of course you know uh, plying on that road which was which had to go right inside the lanes so naturally the people complained a lot and we we also felt very um, claustrophobic in that mm-hmm. space uh, it was enough for the smaller group. But so we had Lamatar and the open, all the facilities there. So we had to to decide and it was, we lost a lot of children when we Mm. did that. Mm. Uh, I don't know if it was a good or bad decision, but um, the students had already joined. We couldn't send them back home. We had to make way. So we had to move and it was quite hard. Uh, It was hard decision. Uh, We lost a lot of students. Mm-hmm. But the premises were also a compensation. Mm-hmm. the 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 ground, the football ground, the swimming pool, you know, all the playgrounds, uh, the the table tennis place, the uh, badminton, the halls, the the uh, indoor heated swimming mm-hmm. pool was there, and the dining halls, everything, and the greenery, most important, the mm-hmm. fresh mm-hmm. fresh air and the scenic place. You know, it was uh, children later adjusted. And we're very
1: happy. Miss, mm. when was uh, Lamantar built?
0: This was not built by us, you know. It was mm. a former school called Elites. Uh-huh. So I really don't know when they built it. Mm. But we added a lot of buildings to it later when uh, we
1: went, yes. Because the infrastructure was really good. And then um, I think our... Um, I didn't have the chance, but my friend also... They they stayed for the borders as well. Yes, they yes. enjoyed the whole community. Yes. Even though it was far away, I think they had their own kind of bubble. Yes. Uh, and then how they enjoyed their hostel yes. from what they told me. Okay. Specifically. Yes, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, and then they had
0: a real nice time there. Yes.
1: Yeah, and and talking about uh, a bit about COVID nineteen. Yes. How how was that? Uh, how did pandemic kind of affected oh, the school?
0: It was awful. <laughs> Uh, it was awful for everybody, right? And traumatic too. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, we did online classes mm-hmm. and we trained a lot. And I think our online classes were quite good though. There was no assessment of it by the government. Mm-hmm. I think we were very r- religiously uh, sincere in doing it. The the COVID uh, made um, life difficult for even the parents. Right, And our businesses too also were not doing good. And parents started to not uh, be able to pay. You know, out of uh, 40% were paying uh, of our total parents. Uh, 20% were scholarships and 40% were not paying, you know, not able to pay. So that made it very difficult to you know, keep up the salaries, scales of the teachers. And they were perhaps, you know, getting 50% salaries. And there was a lot of demand for incremented in salaries mm-hmm. and uh, pressure, a lot of pressure, you know, on mm-hmm. Sam's especially. And he was already a sick man, you know, he was suffering from cancer mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't help him at all mm-hmm. to face mm-hmm. those tensions. Mm-hmm. And there was no way that we could even uh, borrow money mm-hmm. because even the banks were down and uh, the our business was down at a horrible time, yes. Mm. It affected us very badly
1: mm-hmm. Miss, and then uh, other topic that I want to bring uh, uh, It's bullying So I might have been a part of bullying in other schools Not really in shubhatara But I think uh, even as a principal It's such a huge factor to uh, look at And I think bullying is also important and avoid avoid bullying in schools So how was the process of you controlling bullying?
0: Um, There used to be, uh, we had formed a group of children from each class Mm -hmm. uh, who were like, um, they were the anti-bullying squad, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, then there was a teacher who was appointed from uh, in the senior level and the junior level. And they would have regular meetings and they would report to the teacher if they had observed bullying going on in the class. Uh, by by among the peer friends or you know sometimes even by the teacher so we had this sort of a thing working but it was a bit hard because the teachers sometimes would not like this uh, for any child to report on what's going on in the class this this sort of thing it's uh, was there and uh, they would be afraid to speak up Mm-hmm. And um, it's a very big uh, prevalent factor in, mm. in almost all schools, the best of schools, you know, and we've seen so many movies and read books about it. Um, I experienced this, uh, as I just told you about the anti-pulling squad. Um, there was a child from who had returned from abroad, very, very outspoken, active, and participatory and she was very active in the anti-bullying squad. But it so happened that she got victimized because the teacher believed that she had told on him, tattled on him. So one day I found that she was bullied by the teacher and I found this myself first uh, hand. I entered one of the buildings in the Sanipa school and the exams had been going on and it had just gotten over and it was lunch break. But as I entered the building, I saw this child, this girl sitting down and writing a paper. And the teacher was with her. And I said, what's happening here? You know, why aren't you out uh, for lunch? And she was very scared. Uh, she she couldn't speak. She was writing her test paper all over again. And the teacher said that she... Her, she had lost her paper. She didn't submit her test paper, so she's being made to write it again. And that I asked the child and she couldn't speak. And later when I asked her, she said that is not true. She had submitted her paper, but somehow the teacher had made it as if it was lost. Mm-hmm. So the child was made to rewrite the whole test. Mm-hmm. And this was horrible, you know? and. It came to my notice firsthand, and uh, the excuse was that she didn't give it up. So this, in this way, um, uh, the school had started uh, getting eroded in in the you know the the special bond bonding with the children. That uh, it was not about bullying, you know, it was about caring. The school policy was about caring for a child who is. Uh, uh weak in studies or has a disability or even appreciating a child who is encouraging a child who is very active you know there's no question about bullying so far in the school but from that firsthand experience I know I, I came to know that it is very much there underhand mm-hmm. it goes on in all classrooms mm-hmm. in all schools and I was really sad to know the mindset of that child, because she, this bubbly teenager had become a quiet mouse, you know, she had been crushed, her self-confidence had been crushed. I phoned her, I, I asked, said sorry to her parents also and asked her not to worry, that she should not uh, lose her self-confidence, that this is one of a bad incident, that um, uh, this will not happen again. Mm-hmm. Assured her, but of course she learned the lesson. She had burnt her hands, you know. She had burnt her fingers. She would never be uh, speak speak out again, and speak her mind, speak the truth. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how bullying can uh, uh, really destroy a child's confidence. Mm -hmm. And it it started in Shubhataara, and Mm -hmm. I was very unhappy about Mm -hmm. this. It was not what we wanted at Mm -hmm.
1: all. Miss, how did you make sure that? Because uh, I think it's hard to uh, to see if the teacher is bullying the students. How did you make sure that uh, you recognize those patterns after this incident or before this incident?
0: Um, well, the children tell you. Mm-hmm. The children, we had very close contact with children. They would come and tell me everything mm-hmm. because they knew that I was a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not a typical uh principal sitting on a high chair.
1: Hmm.
0: I loved the children, they knew that, they trusted me. It was trust. Hmm. And we used to cross-check, of course, if hmm. they were saying good uh, the right thing or not. Um, we had to believe the children, and then sometimes uh, it was very uh, obvious also. We could hmm. see it hmm. happening, and then hmm. we used to pull up the teachers, they used to get warnings. It was not easy to even uh, chastise the teachers because they had an organized group, you know, and they used to always take it to that group and uh, make a big issue out of it. So we had to be careful also when mm. we blame them. It's mm-hmm. not easy to mm-hmm. deal with it, but the children mm-hmm. themselves should be encouraged. And so this goes to show that the adult should be approachable, mm-hmm. adult around the child. Mm-hmm. Even the parents, you know, I would say, if they complain of anything To give a supporting ear mm. to it And not just jump To conclusions mm. But uh, Look into the matter You know mm. and The child needs support
1: mm. so I don't know if you could uh, Relate to this But sometimes When you are a bit uh, Soft And you might have to Because you have A lot of responsibility You have to act And then uh, Deliver some messages Which are not pleasing Or Or tell somebody That uh, Some heavy news About uh, These stuff So uh, how did you manage the challenge? Mm,
0: very big challenge. Um, and especially as a lady, woman principal and dealing with a lot of male uh, uh, teachers, you know, uh, who were not ready to listen to you. Um, you have to be continue to keep your balance, uh, keep your uh, wits about you and uh, your trust also in yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, speak the terms uh, uh, politely, <clears throat> try to uh, get them to your side uh, by being reasonable and e- explaining all the points. But if they don't l- listen, or if they keep con- uh, continuing the bad behavior, then uh, you give a warning, which is in right. You give a verbal warning, and if for some it will work, just that one warning. Others, you need to give a written warning. Now, as soon as you give a written warning, as I told you uh, earlier about the case of uh, treating, uh, the touching the children in the wrong places, they took that matter and the school had, took the stand and it became a big issue. It closed down, you know. So you have to be ready for that sort of thing, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm uh as soon as you give a written warning mm-hmm. you never know how they will react to it mm-hmm. some will re- uh, react okay they will mm-hmm. have a discussion they will but at some point if it's a little touchy uh, uh, issue then they will react very negatively mm-hmm. and then the whole thing will flare up and you have to uh uh either be ready to you know let the children know let the parents know and who knows? Even the society will mm-hmm. come to know about it. Or you just make a compromise. You know, mm-hmm. it's a constant um, sort of a, a battling going mm-hmm. on. You know, and, and no, no ease, no peace of mind, mm-hmm. lot of tension.
1: Miss, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think uh, this was the most heartbreaking news that I came across. That thirty-four years of running Shovatara, it was actually closed. And there were different reasons uh, around surrounding, like maybe even rumors, yes. or of, of maybe not teachers getting paid, yes. and those kinds of rumors. If you would want to clarify on why and how,
0: <clears throat> yeah, thank you for letting me clarify. Um, it has been a very difficult topic for me, and I've kept quiet about this. Uh, people ask me, but uh, I tend not to discuss it because uh, what has happened has already happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there is no point in uh, raking up the, the negatives. But um, the case uh, as uh, the teachers not being you know satisfied with mm. uh, their uh, their services, uh, you know that the reward for their services that that is like uh, I don't think that is true, that is not fair because, Uh, We tried always to satisfy the teachers. They were the first and foremost uh, important uh, group in the school. Mm -hmm. As I told you, we uh, held, we started a teacher's training center just to uh, make the teachers Mm -hmm. more professional so that their skills would improve and they would, you know, get more salaries. Uh, Also, they will have a better professional uh, standing. And we used to observe things like Guru Purnima, you know. I don't know if you had that, yeah. but it was like worshiping the teachers yes, yes. and, and uh, reminding teachers of their duties and uh, their responsibilities and how uh, high they are in in the hierarchy of the school. Like uh, they influence the, they make a difference in the life of the child totally. So um, facilities-wise, also the salaries uh, also we gave them at par with the government and much more. Uh, the facilities that they got when you turn it, convert it into uh, you know money, uh, was would be quite a sizable amount. Things like their very decent living quarters, uh, electricity paid, water bills paid, food uh, all all meals you know paid, uh, the t- tuition of their children subsidized, uh, highly subsidized. Uh, the first child gets total tuition-free, second and third is subsidized. Then they would get their leaves, you know, all sorts of leaves, mm-hmm. their study leave, their uh, even maternity leave, even for the men, uh, and then their professional uh, uh, development uh, leaves they used to take. Um, their transport was subsidized. I think they got it mostly free, transport. Um, then giving all of this, if... The facilities are, you know, like if they say that their needs were not met, that's where the school had a problem after the COVID. Uh, until the COVID, we, it was fine. We were uh, catering to all their wishes. But after the COVID, it was not possible for the school because the school itself was running into red. And um, the other organizations that were supporting us, like the, the restaurants, also were in, in trouble, Right. And Samsa also uh, was a sick man, very sick man at that time, making all these negotiations and deals for small little uh, petty uh, negotiations about salary and about facilities. And, And the working hours that they put in was like, it's laughable because it was like the senior grade teachers were working like sometimes two periods in a day. Sometimes maximum four periods in a day, that's all. and there were eight or nine periods that other teachers were working in other schools, and the rest of the periods they were meant to use it for research, for or you know their planning and their corrections. but it it was not happening that way. you know those extra periods were being used for their meetings, for uh, uh, working actually against the very school that was supporting them. So that was an atmosphere that was not pleasant at all. Very, very, uh, uh, you know, a lot of tensions created, worries created, and uh, it amounted to uh, indiscipline. Mm -hmm. And it was difficult to run the school in, you know. There was like a parallel government going on there. Mm -hmm. And the children were uh, in the middle of all this, and they were not getting, uh, we were not able to function with creative activities anymore, because there would be only half support for it. You know, there would there was no total support for it. I remember we were uh, 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 celebrating the 30 years of Shivatara, very difficult for me physically and mentally. And I was not well also myself with, uh, well, I'm well into my 60s, uh, uh, 68. Uh, like eight, 69, 70, that, that working with a broken leg, you know, it was very stressful for both Sir and me. And in the end, because it was a school that had so many visions, high uh, like values and uh, uh, ideals, it was difficult to compromise that we had to function in this way, you know, at half our level or almost less than that also. And uh, financially also, we were very badly off. Mm. So in the end, we just had to decide that we cannot do it anymore. And uh, in this way, in this huge, uh, like uh, the... First, we had about 200 staff and teachers that had come down to about 100, and even paying them all their salaries, which was not little by any means. It Mm. cannot be called mean. It was at par with all all the other bigger schools. Uh, but according to their experience in the school, they were getting their due and it was timely. The salaries were mostly timely and uh, there was not much understanding from them about our problems. Mm. It was, uh, we asked them, requested them not to do this. Let's let's work on it because if the school remains, then everything will carry on. Mm -hmm. If the school is not there anymore, Mm -hmm. then all of us will be gone, you know. Mm-hmm. But they, they didn't take it seriously. They scoffed at it. And in the end, we just had to make a very difficult decision. And uh, with the hope that uh, with, with all the students that we had taught would continue the legacy, you know, what had been taught to them. And we would get, try to give back to society uh, with our edu- experience and our education uh, experience in some way. Uh, but not in a big institution anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it was difficult to run a big institution, any, like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. in the in the circumstances.
1: Mm-hmm. I also talked to uh, some of my friends and some of the teachers, and yes. they were they were telling me that it would be very sad that if Ranimis wouldn't be in this education field, because yes. uh, we see you as a really uh, a person who really cares about values education. So, if you could touch up on if you, what are your plans after the closure of Shuvatara?
0: Yes, um, <clears throat> some people ask me to run another Shuvatara mm. and it is such a lovely thought. But I, one has to be realistic, and uh, the energy left in the body is not the same as before. So, even if I tried, I don't think I could run uh, an, uh, you know, another big school, but a small school. Uh, could be uh, materialized if I get the team that I'm looking for. The team of committed and passionate educators is what I need. It might be too tall a story, but I, I do have a few people already, and we are working on it. Mm. But um, <clears throat> apart from the formal schooling, uh, it the non-formal education is what uh, I'm more interested in, because the need of the country is is also that, and trainings for the teachers. I, I realized that we had problems with the uh, senior teachers because they were not able to deliver or understand or imbibe the creative uh, principles of, of Shivatara as I wanted it, as we used to have it. You know, they came in later and they were also lugged with the, all the formal curriculum, so it was not easy for them. To deliver the creativity part, but at the same time, the attitude towards mm. you know the children and and like even helping them when the weak ones need extra help, even for that we had to uh, we had problems because they would only take extra money for that you know, mm. and Shubhada was not about taking extra money for from the parents for just uh, uh, Shubhada education should have been so good that we don't they don't have to take tuitions for for understanding a topic it should have been dealt with in the class you know so the good teachers would do it but then there were some who wouldn't listen to that and so the tuition system started and we it was impossible to fight that system you know because they were Im- embedded in that practice so it was unpleasant and we we, were, we felt we were uh not delivering the promises that we had made to the children. It was not fair on them also. Mm. It was not fair on ourselves also. We were mm. working with every banini, uh, but being sort of taken for a ride on it, you know. Mm. So there was no other way. And we felt very bad, but
1: it had to be done. Mm. It's like you talked about the tuition system. Uh, how do you think that affected uh, schools and the uh, education on children?
0: Terrible! It's terrible, but the parents would not see it that way. The maybe it's not their fault because uh, the teach the learning that has happened in the class is not enough, and their child hasn't understood the concept. and And then maybe it's not the teacher's fault also because the curriculum is as so difficult, so, so imbalanced, you know in some cases it is very easy in some it very hard for and it is not uh, age wise you know balanced that way mm-hmm. the load is too much so uh, the children in grade 9 10 are learning it also they are learning things which the college students should be learning you know why is the curriculum so imbalanced? so i would like to work on this mm-hmm. with the uh, schools who are interested to bring about change and also the government local governments and uh, we will, uh, you know, trash out the issue of our imbalance in the curriculum and uh, try to make improvements for the sake of the children so that they get to learn what they need to learn, you know, and what they can understand and teacher training so that the teachers will teach in the classroom and it's not just about money and tuitions and so the parents don't feel threatened and and then run after tuition teachers for their child, you know. Mm It's, it's a rip off actually when the exam time comes, the amount of money that his parents pay, pay for yeah. tuitions. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Miss, and if you have a small message for Shuvatarians that are watching this, what would it be?
0: Well, Shuvatarians are my hope and they are my love, and I really care about them, the teachers too, and I thank. Everybody for having put their trust in mm-hmm. Shobhathara and uh, and keeping their loyalty to the school even after it has closed down, and uh, this gives me such hope that we can work together for society, which has always been my my wish to give back something to society. Like because we all happen to fall in a privileged. Uh, uh, Class. Mm. So uh, there's so much blame that also is put on private schools because we are privileged. So we should uh, refute that. We should work in such a way that we serve the needy. Like um, I want Shuvdarians to join me in some projects, pet projects, like the Grains for Life project, where we used to send food grains to very needy institutions. Um, and uh, uh, other things like the Sanipa Swasta Sansta, of which I am a, a, a patron, and Samsa was was also the chairman. He um, used to run it very well for several years, and now since he's gone, uh, I am there. I would like to make that a free clinic, continue with the free clinic, with seven, 16, 17 doctors, you know, with a free service. And I would like... Um, to give them facilities like the x-ray, the dentist, dental chair, the, the free, uh, f- almost free uh, medicine shop, uh, things like this, and uh, pay for a few very vital staff there. So I am going around in, uh, raising funds for it. So if Shavatarians can help me raise funds, so when I give them a call, if, we can, um, if they could write to me, they all have me on Facebook Uh, their ideas or they could tell me uh, where they are and uh, how they could help me or just give contributions if they can't give any time we need helpers to um, go out to old people sometimes in the region and uh, talk to them help them in any way you know we need help with a little uh, uh, monastery there of very poor lamas who are who have no food, and but they are little. Uh, there's, there's a little monastery. Uh, we can raise clothes. I'm raising clothes at the moment to send to uh, the people uh, of um, uh, uh, Chepang community, mm-hmm. uh, which is above the hills in Kurintar, you know, mm-hmm. RSR. And uh, they just don't have any clothes, also no mm-hmm. food, no proper education. We can go and give teacher training there. Uh the Srivatarians can help me a lot by just being like my hand and feet sometimes, you know, when I need to send them with with food or clothes. We can make small teams. We can do fundraisers. And just keep in touch and run a newsletter and uh, put it on YouTube. You know what all the Srivatarians, where they are. It would be such a nice thing to do. Who's doing what, you mm. know? Mm. Uh, if if not, we could start an e- Uh, Mm e-newsletter, just to give the news to society so that the Shuvatara legacy will continue. Mm. We will spread the uh, love, spread the caring, uh, continue with it. And just because one institution has closed down doesn't mean that we should lose hope. Mm. We should carry on and uh, uh, the name Shuvatara will live on.
1: Yes, we will do our uh, best to give this message across Thank you. and lastly miss uh, we have come to the end of the podcast Lastly, the last question would be what, what keeps you going and how can what are some of the mindsets that us youth can have as of right now because uh, your journey is such an inspiring story uh, for the people who are still going what, what advice could you give them
0: Well, first of all, what keeps me going in the morning is I I am breathing, I'm alive, you know, so I am grateful for that. So I just think we have to be grateful to our Creator and keep close to that uh, Creator, whoever He is. And we always taught uh, religious tolerance in school, No, no matter where, which denomination you come from or which God you call God you know the the fact is that there is a power higher, higher than above you or around you uh, who, who can who's making your your heart tick your you know your thoughts flow your, you can get inspiration from that source and there are many uh, ways to do that you can join classes for meditation for yoga keep in touch with your cultural the richness of your values you know it, it's it's replete with strength and wisdom and don't uh, run away from it just running after other alien uh, fads, you know, of thinking. Uh, your own uh, past spiritual heritage is very, very rich and the world is coming around to uh, acknowledge that. And if we don't uh, recognize the richness of our spiritual uh, values and culture, then we are like, like real silly people you know mm-hmm. uh running after the other other things yeah mm-hmm. sorry and uh, maybe we uh we keep the hope alive and be be happy with small things mm-hmm. yeah
1: uh, thank you so much uh, miss for coming on to the podcast and before we end it, we have small some packages that uh oh. sponsors have sent uh-huh.
0: oh so sweet of that Oh, that is so sweet. Oh, this is a surprise.
1: Yes, miss. So, oh. I think this would be a good uh, mess building. Wow.
0: Let's organize. Okay. Oh, I need to get organized. For
1: sure. yeah. <laughs> These are some Lovely. notebooks for you. Thanks. Let's Organize is a women-led small business. The idea behind Let's Organize was born out of a necessity to find a planner that was both aesthetic and functional. Something that accomplished more than just monthly events, appointments, and timetables. Currently, they sell planners, notebooks, and journals. And you can find them on Instagram at Let's Organize Planners.
0: Oh, this is really kind of you. And... We also have that. some tea. One tea, yeah. I love this. I love tea. Oh, green tea, white tea. Thank you so much. Thank you so I'm much. I'm really delighted. Thank you.